It's a lot like playing the violin. You cannot start off and be Yehudi Menuhin. Spark said that in Amateur Hour from their 1974 album, Kimono My House. Welcome to a photographic life. I'm involved in teaching photography within a formal structure, within a university, but I think we're all involved in teaching and learning photography in some way every day. Someone the other day tweeted this thread at me. I think the best way to learn anything, including photography, is EDI, explanation, demonstration and imitation. I said, well, I'm okay with the explanation. I'm okay with the demonstration. But I don't feel the imitation is a good thing. I think I'd prefer to use the word inspiration. Anyway, that's what I went back to them with. And they came back with this. It's absolutely the best way to learn. If you don't do three, then you haven't learnt at all. If I teach someone how to master aperture, I will explain, demonstrate, get them to imitate. It's how the army teach people. And they have to take scrawny 16 to 17 to 18 year olds and turn them into soldiers willing to kill or be killed in 12 to 16 weeks approximately to put into action orders that go against every natural reaction that their mind and body has. If you can't imitate what I've demonstrated with aperture or shutter speed, then you haven't learned. Well, I wasn't expecting that turn of events to move quite so quickly towards killing. Obviously, I went back and I said, well, actually, I try and teach people photography, not uh, the art of killing and death. But they didn't stop them. They came back at me again. You want to learn studio lighting? E-D-I. You want to learn yoga? E-D-I. You want to learn SEE on YouTube? E-D-I. Well, I don't actually want to learn SEO on YouTube. And to be honest with you, I think what that particular photographer, and it was a photographer who came back at me with that, missed. I think the point that they missed was when we're talking about photography, we're talking about a creative practice. We're talking about something where rules actually don't apply. Of course, it's important always to understand how equipment works, but it is not the be-all and end-all. And in fact, I would argue that you need to know the rules to break the rules. And it is in breaking the rules that we move the practice forward. In the last week, I've uh, turned 57. I was all right with 40 and I was all right with 50. I'm now going to have to see if I'm OK with 60 as I fast approach that number. But what I do know is that every day I'm learning something. Every day I'm teaching somebody something. I'm sharing something. I'm putting forward an opinion and maybe engaging in a conversation. None of that requires EDI. We all understand what photography is in different ways, but I do believe that there is a particularly negative understanding that is now outdated and almost dangerous in its didacticism. And that is being demonstrated by this photographer with his EDI. I also saw this over the last week. 
Over 30 years, this particular photographer, and I'm going to take their name out at this point, has developed a system for delivering great pictures in any scenario. The system is quick, simple, and can be learned by anyone. What is it and who is it for? Well, it's an easy system for shooting great pictures with your phone or camera. It's for anyone who is interested in quickly and dramatically improving their photography. How does it work? Watch the lessons and do the homework. Follow the process and you will very quickly see dramatic improvements in your pictures. Where does it happen? Well, it happens online in a program that consists of training videos. Do I need a camera? Or well, this program shows that you don't need professional or special equipment. This photographer's system can be applied to shoot great pictures on any smartphone or camera. To me, this photographer who's been working in the industry, he says, for 30 years and is trying to get you to pay to pay up for his workshops, his online workshops, his courses, is also missing the point about photography. I've also been involved with photography well over 30 years now, actually, I think probably about 36 or so. But I don't understand a system that I can give you that's quick, simple and can be learned by anyone and instantly and dramatically gives you great photographs. For me, photography is a slow burn. It's a process by which each person finds their own way forward with their own practice. It's not something where you can follow a few quick, easy uh, techniques Put in place a few processes which are instantly going to give you a solution. Way back, I think probably about eight or nine years ago now, I wrote a book where I spoke about the snake oil salesman in the photographic world. And at that time, I was really focusing, I suppose, on promises that were being made by amateur hobbyist photography magazines, which were encouraging people to go out, buy expensive cameras and become wedding photographers or event photographers or actually any kind of a photographer you wanted. And they were going to guarantee that you were going to earn money and have a successful career. I found this offensive. I found it morally corrupt. And I spoke out about it. Now, eight, nine, ten years later, those magazines have either closed or are selling in very small numbers. And people, I think, I hope, have seen through that kind of promise and recognised that it's not a reality. It's now been replaced with online promises and photographers putting down totalitarian dictates about what teaching photography is all about. As I say, I teach it within a formal structure. You may be listening to this podcast and be studying within a formal structure. You may also be teaching within a formal structure of some kind. Might be evening classes, might be at a high school, might be at a college, might be at a university, might be in workshops. Or alternatively, you might just be finding your own way, teaching people, learning and sharing in a much more informal way. It's just as important to me. But what is important also is to identify the fact of the snake oil salesman and the fact also that in photography, two and two never makes four. Two and two always makes whatever you want it to make. 
This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us in less than five minutes what photography means to her, Polly Alderton, who's a British documentary and portrait photographer who studied fine art at the Byamshaw School of Art and at Central St. Martin's and whose work is centred around the documentation of family and examining the class system in the UK. Her work concentrates on her immediate surroundings, with her family often being in the spotlight. Alderton's images have been published in the Sunday Times, The Observer, Invisible Britain, Portraits of Hope and Resilience, Portrait of Britain, Volume 1 and Volume 3, and an ID magazine, amongst others. In 2017, she produced a short film titled 12 Hours in North Essex for VSCO. And in 2019, she was awarded the First Sight Project Bursary to build on her independent project titled Burning House. In 2021, Satanta Books published Auditon's work in a monograph titled Polly Auditon. She also works as a stills photographer with the BBC, notably photographing David Attenborough's Climate Change, the Facts series, and working with Martin Parr on a series of idents for BBC One. I think we've all seen those. Hi, Grant. This is Polly Alderton here answering your question of what does photography mean to me? Um, I found it quite tricky to answer this, actually, Um but I've been thinking about it on and off this week. Um, I think I've always been more comfortable as a spectator rather than, or as a spectator rather than a sort of participant in life. Um, I really seem to notice little things. Um, I think I've always been like that. And when I was growing up, we moved quite a lot, really spontaneously quite often. Um, So things would change in my surroundings quite quickly. Um, And I used to like scouring pictures for details like maybe a lost ornament or the way that a curtain sat and, you know, the light in the room. Photography kind of offers a permanence. It's almost um, verbatim. And of course, photography can be quite manipulative too. I'm endlessly curious about the thematic apperception test. Um, how our individual experience can shape our perception of some images into different forms. Um, One of my children recently was telling me about a programme they'd watched that explained how when you're taking a photograph in that moment, you won't remember the memory. Um, I've been thinking about that and looking at photographs that I have taken. Um, I think it might actually be true. Um, In that moment, you don't remember the memory, but because... Maybe your brain doesn't need to, such as the fallibility of memory versus technology. Photos are like the closest thing we have to time travel. They're momentary evidence, which, unlike our own memories, they don't degrade or alter when we return to them. There's the ethics of memories, if you like. So um, perhaps when we pull memories from our stores, they can become reformed by our current experiences. Um, A photo stays faithful. When I'm photographing my family, I'm often doing it as a spectator. Um, And I think quite often I'm memory hoarding too, kind of for the future. I think about how often, um, you know, I live in the present versus how much I like to preserve the now for future reference. So for me, photography is a kind of proof of memory, um, my memory. 
and maybe in some way it also becomes a portrait of me too um and this feels significant um within the pictures that I take of my children of my family um I've often had this thing of saying you know that I feel like I'm sort of growing up alongside my children reliving um my childhood um through their childhood too so to document that feels important and it's almost it's almost sort of reliving my past within my present for the sake of the future if that makes sense um yeah okay i hope that was interesting to you thanks so much grant bye it certainly was interesting polly and thank you very much for your considered contribution this week memory so often it comes up, doesn't it, in, as a theme, I suppose, in when photographers are talking about their work. I've read a lot about memory and its connections with film and photography from an academic perspective. And that's kind of okay, but there's nothing better than hearing somebody sort of, I could almost hear Polly working it out for herself there as she was speaking and actually finding that sense of memory in those very close things to our lives, that situation of family. Reminding me a little bit of a, a contribution that I think very few of you will probably remember, as it was right back at the very beginning when we started this a few years ago. And that was a contribution from Craig Aitkinson, the mastermind and the genius behind Cafe Royal Books. And Craig was talking about the idea of photographing those moments that happen uh, in his house and with his family that never get remembered. Those moments, not the birthdays and not the, the Christmases and the weddings and all of those big events, but those very, very small events. And if anybody follows Craig uh, on Facebook in particular, the uh, documentation of his sons and his dog and also sometimes his building escapades in the garden really do give that insight. And, and I can see exactly what he means by those those moments that at the time don't seem important, but actually with the passing of time, take on a new relevance and a new context because they're the things that people don't remember. Anyway, Polly's work really focused on her family is something that I recommend to all of you. I think you'll find it inspiring and I hope it will also encourage you to turn your camera on to your family and start to record those moments. I know it's uh, inspired me to. Now I've just got to try and get the family to agree with it. Looking back there on all the photographers that we've had contributing to the podcast and answering the question, what does photography mean to you over the years and thinking also there of Craig Aitkinson, reminds me, of course, of the book, What Does Photography Mean to You? Still available, the perfect Christmas gift. Get it now and then you don't have that last minute panic and rush. I would suggest the perfect stocking filler. Anyway, it's just £9.99 and it features 89 professional award-winning photographers from around the world explaining exactly that thing. What does photography mean to them? It's £9.99 plus post and packing, and that's available from bluecoatpress.co.uk. You don't want to be unhappy on Christmas morning. Make sure you've got a copy at hand. 
It's always interesting to keep an eye out for trends that uh, are occurring or kind of come out of nowhere. And one I've noticed recently that seems to be getting a little bit of exposure, actually quite a bit of exposure, is the idea of my favourite photograph, where one photographer chooses one image and talks about it. And this has been happening in newspapers and magazines for some time. And I just noticed recently that Sky Television are doing little kind of drop-in shows, little short shows in which specific photographers talk about that very thing. They talk about one image. And it's great to see Harry Borden, who's a previous contributor to the podcast, and also Julia Fullerton-Batten, another contributor to this podcast, both of whom are also in the book I just mentioned. But anyway, um, contributing to that Sky TV show. So if you do have Sky and uh, you are looking for something to give you an extra bit of inspiration, why not check those out? I haven't been through them all myself yet, but it does seem to be quite a uh, diverse selection of photographers chosen, and that's always a good thing. Too much of one particular photographer on the television, and I think you know who I mean, it cannot be good for the growth of the medium. It's been a two-heater podcast this week. What do I mean? Well, it's been pretty cold in the shed, so I've had to heat it up before I came in and recorded this particular episode. It's also been pretty busy over the last few days in that I've been recording and planning things for our Christmas show, our New Year's Eve show, and also for our 200th episode, which will be going live in February of next year. I really recommend checking that one out. I'd also like to just finish this episode with a sadness, really, I suppose, which was the passing of Mick Rock, the rock photographer, Lou Reed, Bowie, Iggy Pop and Mick Rock. There's a a set of images that we kind of have seen on many times if you're my age of that kind of party scene in New York in the early 1970s. What's really sad for me is that Mick was due to appear on this podcast um, some while ago, but unfortunately he didn't feel quite well enough to record his contribution. Last week I recognised the passing of Tom Stoddart and uh, previously a few weeks earlier of Colin Jones, two photographers who I did manage to get contributions to the podcast and that stays on for eternity and it's wonderful to have that. And it does remind me that it's so important that all of us record those memories. Polly was talking about family memories earlier on and those memories that photographers have of an incredible life lived, of the people met, the experiences, the adventures, the travels. If we don't record these, if we don't create archives of these, future photographers will not be able to understand what lay behind those images. What was the instigation for that work? I think it's so important. I suppose in my own little way, what I'm trying to do with this podcast is build that very archive. There are many photographers out there that I'd still like to get to contribute to the podcast. But those that have, I think, add to that rich tapestry of knowledge and learning that I spoke about at the beginning of this episode also. We can all learn every day. We can all listen and we can all teach. We don't have to do that in a way in which others want us to do it. 
We can do it in our own way. And from a creative perspective, I think that's exactly how it should be. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. Uh, I look forward to joining you again next week. And of course, take care. Thank you.